Hey listeners, Lex on the Decks here. Before you get stuck into this episode of Hot Girls, I wanted to let you know about something else you may be interested in. Though Hot Girls in its podcast format isn't releasing new episodes any longer, if you head over to my Substack, which is lexonthedecks.substack.com, you'll find more interviews and insight on gender minority artists and how to overcome any barriers to entry. You'll also get the opportunity to sign up to my weekly newsletter, Five Good Things. This is an email letter which will land in your inbox on Fridays, sharing five of my favourite cultural or creative discoveries of the week. You'll find all that on lexonthedex.substack.com. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Hot Girls. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, guys, and welcome to Hot Girls with me, Lex on the Decks. This week, I am joined by the very brilliant and focused Blue Lab Beats, a production duo comprised of NKOK and David, aka Mr. DM. Having released their first EP in 2016, they've gone on to work with talent like Moses Boyd, Nubia Garcia, Koji Radical, and Sam for the Great. I was fascinated in how they'd come together as a duo and how they've approached their careers to be carving out the space they are. Being able to flex their musical abilities across a fusion of genres, they've also been proactive in trying to encourage more women to get into music production, which if you don't know is one of the biggest gaps when it comes to gender imbalance in the industry. The guys were super open about their journey and what they're prepping for, so let's get into it. Blue Lab Beats on the Hot Girls podcast. Let's go. Ladies, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex on the deck. We in the mix. It's fire. Keep it going. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's go in. Welcome to the Hot Girls Podcast. It's actually really nice to have you on this season because Mel Brown was on season one. And so that was the first time I think I heard your name because she mentioned that you did a remix of hers. So it's nice now we're having you on this season. So I actually want to start with talking about remixes and you've done quite a few of them. How do you approach them and how do you decide what to work on when it comes to remixing a track? I guess for us, we mainly listen to the original song's arrangement and then we're like, okay, cool, this song was in this pocket and then like, how can we make this song our own version, basically, and not with our own twist? Then listening to the original song even more and being like, okay, so that song suits festivals more or it suits clubs more, it suits more personal sides. It's like, okay, where can we take this can we take this more club or more festival or more this? You know, so it's just, it's picking out what the song, well, not missing, but like where else it could go, basically. And just like really venture in a more different headspace of that, really. 
when it comes to those sorts of things when you're working on another track do you are you generally quite aligned as a pair in terms of where you want it to go for me and david we're always kind of have like a set thing whenever we go in studio sessions where for me i'm the arranger beat maker drum programmer sound designer so i do all the electronic side where david then i do the instruments like live instrumentation and the harmonic side the melodic side sometimes and the bass lines on my side and then that's how we both work together so well because yeah. it's like parts where i can't do like playing chords like how david does and then like david it's it's hard more hard for you for like just the technical mm-hmm. sound yeah. sound design basically yeah. you know so then that's how we both pair so well yeah yeah so can you chat me through your like individual journeys? Just kind of, I don't mind who goes first, but like how you got into music up until the point where you came together. Well, I actually started on djembe percussion when I was age six. And then like my dad just only played like West and South African music in my house. Um, and then like my mom wanted me to listen to that same thing. Um, she was also a DJ in the 90s, so she played a lot of rare groove as well. And like West Coast hip hop, <laughs> like even when I was younger. <laughs> so I don't, she's like, you got, you have to. Um, and then like... I love that your mum had an angle, like she had a point of view on what you were going to listen to. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, both of them. Like it was very much like for my dad, yeah, for my dad, it was like you're listening to your roots. And then my mum was like, you're just listening to that, that realness. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was playing djembe. Yeah, quite a lot from age six to about nine, ten. And then around like when I when I got into secondary school, I hated it. So then my parents then homeschooled me because they were like, we want our son to have actual education, actual black education instead of the washed upness of um, the Western world, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. So like um, in my home homeschooling, then I was learning basically like, OK, this this tribe made this sound which then influenced this this side of the world and then this and then this. So then with all of that knowledge, by age 12, I then wanted to vis- visit back into music, started doing music production from there. And then a year later, me and David met at a place called Weekends Arts College. Wack Arts. Yeah, Wack Arts, Weekends Arts College. And then I was playing my beats in the lunch hall. And then David walked past, was sure. like, yo, this is, this is, like, this is yeah. fire. Like, you know, I'm rehearsing down there. And I checked out his rehearsal and was like, this guy's just picked up, you know, he was on drums and then he was on bass and then keys and then guitar. And I was like, yo, I've got to work with this guy. And then that, the rest was history, really. That's such a fame experience, as in like, as in fame. Like, I was just playing my beats in the lunch hall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then David, what was your journey up until that point where you walked through the canteen? Yeah, so um, when I was about two or three years old, up until now, so I started with drums and then I started on piano age four. I would have like consistent piano lessons from the age of five up until nine years old. And then I started picking up guitar and bass from age 10 to 12 when I was in college, from college to university. So while I was going from college to university from the age of 17 to 18, I was also attending uh, various jam sessions in the city while I was going to Middlesex University and Barnet College, I was also simultaneously going to jam sessions at night. And then I'd get home at like 3 a.m. in the morning. So even though I was learning stuff at college and uni, so the actual real education was at jam sessions, such as the Haggerston, there's also Ronnie Scott's, there's Troy Bar in 
East London. There was also W3 that was in Ravenscourt Park in West London. And yeah, that was in the year of, what, early 2012 or something. Also, I was going to Whack Arts as well. That's where I met Namali. And as he said, he was playing his stuff in the lunch hall. And yeah, our paths crossed. And then a year later, the rest is history. So was it a year later that you came together as Blue Lab Beats? By then, it was... Um... We were, yeah, we called ourselves NKOK Mr. DM. Yeah. And then we were doing production for Age of Luna, basically. So that was um, the old, like old school hip hop band that I was in from age, I believe, age like, I just turned like 15 then, age 14, 15 to age 17. And then by age 17, I was like, I just want to do instrumental music. It just, it, you know, just a thing that just happens in bands, really. Just like everyone just wants to go separate ways and stuff. Yeah, um, particularly as you're like, as you develop and evolve as a musician, you hear new sounds and that then influences yeah. your taste. That was like three to four years period, like that we made that decision. It didn't affect how me and David work, basically, because we've worked together for nearly nine years. But like we have this, we have nearly near enough the same playlist. Yeah. And like, it's like very, very nuts how similar we are with like a lot of aspects and stuff, really. And it's really rare to have, yeah, it's really rare to have that. And we both recognize it. But like the main thing is, it's like we both recognize like, okay, especially in studio sessions, because that's when like around that time period, it's like, oh, okay, like there's a lot of bumping heads and stuff where like me and Dave were just like, okay, we know how this, like we both know how to work together. That's the main thing. And like, just, yeah, like no BS or anything, basically. So yeah. the space that you're in now. Yes. Like does it have a name, the studio space you're in? Because so obviously people are listening, they can't see, but um, yeah. you guys have this like really nice, quite original design studio and it's blue. And I was like, this is kind of <laughs> part of the branding. And it's obviously in a lot of your um, social stuff. So yeah, I was wondering how long you've been working in that space. Well, so this is, this is the Blue Lab Mark II. Mark I was in my bedroom when I used to live in Golders Green. And this is now, you know, in Enfield ends really now. And it's it's just a studio shed, basically. But before moving, I saved up loads so then I could have really good um, acoustic panels so then I can record anything in here. So like um, I've recorded live drums in here. I've recorded multiple horns. I can probably do strings in here too. Not like an orchestra, but like, yeah, like I can yeah, record like a good amount of strings in here. You could probably fit like a four-piece band in here and it sound uh-huh. good. But mainly, this is this this space really is it's mainly an editing space for me. So like whenever I come back from big studio sessions, instead of booking an, um, an extra two days at an expensive studio, I can just come here and edit all night. Because like, yeah, luckily when we moved here, there was like near enough soundproofed. I don't know why, but it just was. And yeah, it's just like, I think, yeah, before lockdown, it was just so beautiful just bringing... Like, I'll go to a gig and then I would know most of the bandmates at the gig and then be like, hey, come to studio. <laughs> and then, like, we'll just be making music till like, you know, 7 a.m. So, yeah, it's massive vibes, massive vibes, yeah. Did you use much of that music or, or did you wake up the next day and be like, this isn't good? Why did we think this was good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of the time, actually. Yeah, it's because, yeah, it's good musicians. Like, and it's, and it's like, uh, like a lot of them close friends. I always, yeah. I think it's it's so important to, yeah, just like uh, really know your like musical bubbles and stuff. Just don't get into beef because there's no point. Yeah. <laughs> there's no point. Yeah. London's too small. 
Yeah. <laughs> no it can be weirdly small sometimes, can't it? Yeah, it sounds, yeah. It sounds like you're both night owls as well. Like you both work quite late. Always. <laughs> both smiling. From, from the pandemic, I've been, uh, like, I've, I've slept better. I've understood sleep more. When we, yeah, when we went to, I mean, however, when we went to Ghana, <laughs> them lot don't sleep. <laughs> wow. Them lot don't sleep at all. Oh, my God. My people don't sleep. Well, even I love that you just said I've understood sleep. <laughs> yeah, like no. it wasn't natural. You had to learn it. <laughs> I mean, no, but that's like, uh, yeah, as a musician, like, you know, sometimes there's a lot of crazy deadlines. Rest is very important, though. I'm not, I'm not um, one of those people like grind or die, you know, it's just like, because I, I hate them kind of quotes a lot, because like it's, it's important to have a good space for your mental health, too. And sleep really improves that as well, you know. So um, especially learning that in pandemic. But, you know, Ghana is a different story. But anyway, like, you know. Um. <laughs> I know you've, you've mentioned musical bubbles and we had Lin and Jay on um, in the last series and spoke about the work that he'd done to try and support female producers. Now, you, you guys have done a lot of work in that space as well did you notice when you were kind of coming up and working in production circles and as she said like having bandmates back to your studio was it always male and did you notice that from like early stages of blue lab we've always tried to include women musicians in our stuff i mean like yeah even pineapple we had um Nuria, yeah, Nuria. Well, yeah, most of the horn, horn players. Yeah. yeah, most of the um, mm. horn players are that. So that, and then one of the members are Coco Roco, Richie, um, who's, yeah, who plays on Pineapple. And then it, we had Nabaya on multiple Blue Lab joints. Pina yeah, Pina Colada and Richie again. We've just always made sure that we include, you know, include the women in the music as well, because, yeah, like, because it's such a male-dominated industry. And especially the way how in like kind of typical jazz standard stuff always tries to move women out of it because it's just like, actually, it's more of a male thing. You know, like, that doesn't make sense. Hello, Billy Holiday. Anyway, <laughs> you know, it's just like, and yeah, it's just that. And then obviously, you know, one of my favorite composers ever, so, you know, um, Alice Coltrane, you know, it's just like, I think her work is extremely, extremely underrated. Um, and just like some of the best spiritual jazz stuff like ever really like we've always just wanted just to support really because we always have like just open discussions especially I think the past two years for me like I've had more discussions with um, bigger women producers and just hearing their stories and just being like Mm -hmm. you know what I just need to spread word more just all of these stories and it's just like it's just not it's not the vibe I think it's good though because what I really like about what you guys have done is just always just been really proactive in both raising awareness of the fact because I do think that's important but also as you say just trying to be advocates for it and make sure you're kind of supporting the equality and trying to kind of move it move the dial forward so appreciated. One incredible woman that you've worked with is Sampa the Great and many many others and you've, you've worked with some incredible artists and collaborated with some amazing people. Are there some that have been particular highlights for you personally that you would kind of call out without obviously t- <laughs> taking a shine off the others which you've had amazing ones but yeah sample the great that's just that, that was that's still one of my favorite sessions till this day mm. because just the amount of knowledge you're just hearing from this incredible incredible musician incredible artist incredible musician and just the knowledge she just passes down all the gems really just the vibe in like studio sessions like she just really lets you just do your thing and that's it and then it's like 
then she'll come back in the room and she like really hypes everyone. And it's like, you just feel like you're making the best track ever. Whenever she's in the room, you're always feeling that. Then she gets in a little corner. She writes really insanely fast. She writes rap verses in like 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. She she writes a rap verse in 20 minutes. I was like, I've never seen this in my life. Like... That is mad. Yeah. Like it was... Like that that was an experience, especially um, the track Next that we did with her, she freestyled that chorus. Yeah. Like, she was in the booth, she fit, She was punching in the last line for the first verse, and then she just freestyled the chorus. And then she was like, actually, I wrote a chorus, but this is it now. Yeah. And I was like, that's mad. <laughs> I remember when NK was producing it, I remember standing up in one corner of the room, NK was producing it, and while I was watching him, I was watching Sampo write the lyrics on the phone, and then I looked at NK again, and then I see like a whole dissertation worth of words on her phone. She was scrolling and it was like literally, well, I don't know how many hundred words, but it's ridiculous. Yeah, the work ethic is scary. It's like I couldn't even copy out words that fast. <laughs> if yeah, yeah, yeah. Alone no. do the creative mindset. If it had been terrible, what would you have said? <laughs> <laughs> we all walked out. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I love that you um, freestyled. It's cool, but it's not working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just walk out. Wow, man. Yeah, like, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just <laughs> such an incredible session, honestly. Who else? Adeline. So, um, yeah, we did a remix for her, um, Just Another Day, even though it was all on email and stuff. Like, that That was a real big vibe doing that remix, definitely. And, my, like, like much appreciated for, for thinking of us to, to do it as well. Um, she's just such an incredible musician as well. So, so, so talented. Yeah, she was great to work, work with as well. But yeah, Sam Possession is still to this day is one of my favourites, definitely. Do you have a preference in terms of how you work with people when it comes to actually producing original material? As you said, sometimes, you know, you use your space that you're in now as like an editing room and sometimes you prefer to go to a studio, maybe to record something. Or are you quite happy for people to send you samples, send you vocal samples and kind of work with those? Like, do you think there's a recipe to... I prefer to be in the same room with the artist. I know that like there's a lot of artists that prefer you to send the beat before, but I really don't like that because like I just want to create something like exactly just for you. Interaction. Yeah. And and it's like I wanna I wanna sense your vibe, everything. So then I'm actually making the song for you instead of it just being just like a copy paste song. And it's like, oh yeah, you you sent this. Okay, cool. That sent that. Okay, song's done. It's just like something doesn't really feel. It just doesn't doesn't rock with me right at all. They're both in the room because you can feed off each other's energy and that. Yeah, I mean, like this pandemic is like it's taught me and David such mad stuff with recording. Like we've done we've done whole string sections remote. <laughs> For the tracks getting released next year. We've done whole string sections remote and like that was, it was such a headache. But at the same time, I learned like you can have a really big sounding mini orchestra by doing that as well. And it's so much cheaper to do, (laughs) like so much cheaper, but it's like, it's kind of like, I would say near enough the same quality if you're if you're getting an actual orchestra thing but an actual orchestra thing you're looking to spend five to seven grand and it's like people don't have that for one song (laughs) 
Sorry if this is a, you know, basic sort of entry level production question. (laughs) Not sorry. When you say that in terms of like orchestrating entire string section, is there kind of someone who's coordinating that? It's like you approach them and say, I want these kind of instruments or do you go to one person who, you know, can play all those instruments? Like, how does that come together? Because obviously an orchestra, you're like, okay, I've booked the orchestra. They're already a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so with that, we got a very legendary person called Steve Hussey. Um, who works with, um, he did string arrangements for a few Soul to Soul tracks, basically. Okay. So what he does is he conducts and he writes all the parts as well. Normally you have a person who writes the scores and then you have the conductor. So he does both, basically. We got him to do that plus musical direction, so MDing which then is him getting the string players. So then, because it was remote... He had to be so detailed with every single note. And even if one person s- sent back something and it was slightly sloppy, they had to do the whole thing again. <laughs> Start over. Yeah. <laughs> Scratch it. <laughs> Go again. Yeah. <laughs> We're paying you. <laughs> do <it> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I want to talk a little bit about the business side of uh, music and how you guys have found that. So if my chronology is correct, you signed your first publishing deal a couple of years ago. Is that yes. right? And then Damn. you signed a okay, license- yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you signed a licensing deal last year. And that was yes. that was a really big moment for you guys. How did things change for you when you signed and how did you get signed in the first place? So getting signed to Blue Note, which is the biggest jazz label in the world. Um, How we got signed to that was we released and produced and remixed 50 singles, 50 singles for other artists and our own stuff. So this is Blue Lab and my own solo stuff as well. So, or other projects, sorry. Blue Lab and other projects. That's, we've done about six EP worth of music and then four to five albums worth. And that's all released. Fair to say you guys aren't work shy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's the stuff that's released. The best way to say it's like when you see one single from an artist, you know, like for Blue Lab, we have a release nearly every single month for the past, like, yeah, like five years or something like that. Yeah, or, or sorry, four years. Yeah, three, yeah, three, four years. We've had a release like every single month. And how we've recognized that is because we know, like, we're like, okay, the Spotify algorithm hates people waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like all right we've got to just keep on giving and also as creatives it's fun to just release release stuff as well but the important part of the releasing side is you have a good label backing you mm. um and even before that because obviously we can speak about label before that you've got to have a good management team or you just have a team around you that believes in you. And also it's like they can criticize your stuff. So then it's like, okay, cool. I can improve on this. I can improve on this. It's important to have criticism too with your music, you know, so, so important because then you can improve and then it's like, all right, cool. Strengthen your sound even more. I suppose as well, it's like a fresh ear. You know, you spend so much time listening and and crafting and working on something that someone else who has none of that context of what you've built and how you've built it is going to is going to hear something so differently oh yeah like we've played demos of stuff like we're like okay about and then he's gone this is amazing and we're like what okay cool we'll finish it <laughs> and then <laughs> and then and then it's the other way around where we'll play something and he goes it's nice you're like what 
It's like, yes, yeah, it's, it's all right, but like I prefer the other thing, you know. Yeah, it's just it's, it's you. Yeah, it's like a manager is basically the best friend that kicks your ass, <laughs> basically. Uh, but then it's just like you know that like you're both in the same bubble of thinking, you know. Mm. But it's not too similar. But it's like it's you still it's still that mu- mutual thing of like actually it's so beneficial, and I'm so grateful for having that there. After you signed with Blue Note, like, did you do anything special that evening, or did you just go to sleep and be like? Mm. Yeah, a few champagnes, and then like, yeah, and then yeah, it was. Oh, was it? Yeah, I signed it on. Dad's like, that's cool, but it's my birthday. (laughs) Yeah, it was literally, you know, that Earth, Wind, and Fire song, September, isn't it? He was here. He was actually born on the twenty-first night of September. (laughs) Coincidence. And that was when he signed. Yeah. Does does he play that song every birthday? Hey. He does. (laughs) Looks looks around at everyone. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's me. They wrote, they wrote this for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who has the same birthday and she does the same, she's the same thing. He uses that to soundtrack it in every time Fantastic. it goes around. <laughs> that's, just, that's just like every Instagram story, every Snapchat story, just <laughs> that's, that's from the whole, the whole day. Yeah. So you had some champagnes and then I guess it's back to work. How much of the first release and the work that you put out with them had you done before you signed? Sometimes people have, you know, sometimes like they sign to a label and then the label's like, it's cool what you've done, but we think you can do better. So we're going to start. We released um, um, Montara. We did that cover for Blue Note Reimagined. Basically, when they heard the demo for that, when the French, when Blue Note France heard the demo for that, they were like, oh my God, we've got to sign Blue, Blue Lab Beats. We have to, we have to. Um, then, yeah, like I just wanted to s- explore more of like the other parts of the deal as well. Mm. Um, so we're not on a record deal. It's a licensing deal. And I would just, for people listening, especially strongly, strongly advise you looking into what licensing deals are. Because it's, I would say, the kind of new way of signing. It's just a lot more, a lot more freedom and just like, yeah, a lot more vibes, definitely. You know, just, yeah, just a lot a lot better a lot better more vibes <laughs> yes more vibes yeah how much of the music that you released with them had you done yeah so we did montara the french side of the label loved it then we were gonna just sign to the french side originally and then the american side of blue note then were like okay let's do this independently independent license deal okay cool this is amazing then we signed to that and then we had, yeah, basically we had an EP. Like we were originally thinking of releasing it just um, ourselves and then Blue Note then offered this, basically. And we were happy just to do it ourselves anyway. And then Blue Note just, yeah, just came through and we were just like, yo, this is insane. Well, now we're just making more and more music, really. Because like yeah. with, with Blue Note and them understanding the Spotify algorithm and just like music algorithm now, they're like, this is great. So you're going to now, you're going to record more now. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is great. Cool. <laughs> I find it um, really interesting that you said, and thanks for being so open. It's cool um, that you said that you, you release like every month. And I think that's just really interesting yeah, for people to hear and kind of get a sense of cadence. People like, might be like super stressed about their first release or whatever. It's like Blue Lab Beats for Sex, which is get it out because <laughs> you've got to do another one. It's so understandable to be perfectionist, especially in creative area. You know, I think a good remedy for, especially if you're having writer's block or if you're stressed out of a deadline because you don't think your track doesn't sound there compared to this, is always remember 
that after that first release, you can write another experience. And then after that release, you write another experience again. Because music is a live-through form. You know, whatever you've lived through, basically, you write it down, like songwriting, or you produce it, but have the same mindset of like what you just lived through, basically. Mm. And then you're documenting that, and then that's the recording, and then you want to then release that. You will never run out of ideas because I think that's what people always get scared of it's like oh yeah after album this or this you run out of Mm. ideas and at the start of making another album yes you do you feel like that (laughs) (laughs) like you really do but then there's a part that always clicks in just being like oh yeah this is another experience I don't have to compete with my last record Mm. it's another experience life just changes all the time that's the beauty of it so then you're just capturing that again and then releasing that again So as we're talking now, you're just finishing up quarantine, having been in Ghana. What took you to Ghana and what did you get up to whilst you were there? We shot two music videos there and we did a photo shoot there. And we also worked with one of WizKid's producers as well and many other studio sessions too. We, yeah, we mainly went there because we're experimenting more with Afrobeats and a lot of our newest stuff. So um, our newest single, Blow You Away. So we've been experimenting more on that side. We were just like, you know what? We actually need to just go to Motherland to film this, film these songs. Because the whole ruling system with like, oh yeah, you need to, you need to be, you know, socially distanced in certain videos or blah. Some people don't, they don't see, care. yeah, they don't care with that. <laughs> but like, well, yeah, because they're like, like we're, we're working. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 some, yeah, something like that. But like in January, they were like, oh yeah, let's sort out videos. And obviously in the UK, January was the worst spike um, for us mm. for COVID. So I was like, I don't want to even leave the yard. <laughs> like, you know, it was, it was a very nuts month. Like, yeah. So it was the thing of, we were like, okay, what's a better alternative instead of having... Because they were like, oh yeah, let's get a bunch of dancers in the video as well. And then it was just like, what? And they have to be socially distanced. This, I'm like, I just... It's not really the, the energy concept. of Afrobeats, is it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. They can't really like, engage. Yeah, it's just like, I just I hated that idea so much. Um, and then we were just like, okay, cool. Let's see what Ghana's saying. Ghana's like nearly COVID free. Like there's only 700 deaths of the entire year in Ghana out of, a, uh, I think it's like 30 million population. So they, you know, they did absolutely Smashed incredibly. Yeah. yeah. You know, but what they did, they had a, they had a two and a half, I think it's two to two and a half month lockdown, strict lockdown. Um, you could visit, they could see some family within a small group of like four to six or something. But because of how, you know, like in West Africa, like the tropical diseases and stuff happen, you know, about once every two years or something or like, or just like very, like the very, very small ones. Like when they heard COVID, they were like, okay, cool. We know the drill. Everyone just stay in. And then on top of that, then I think they shut, they shut airports for like a couple months as well mm-hmm. in Ghana. So that's why they completely smashed it. Yeah, a lot of stuff is normal there as well. Yeah, like I was, I was clubbing nice. out there. Yeah, I was clubbing really? out there. Yeah. And how was that? How did it feel? Did it feel like is this allowed? You know? Yeah, no, it was it was crazy. It was it was insane because like I heard you know Afrobeats playing Motherland. Were they playing like Afrobeats in the club? So there's in in Ghana. I mean, this is why I wanted to go as well because I was just like, so I'm like, I'm doing Afrobeats, but I wanna I wanna see what's really popping. In Motherland mm. as well. 
Also, because um, you know, whatever, I feel like that's where the culture kind of comes from there. Like the music, the sound, the newest sounds are going to start over there. And so that makes total sense to be ahead of the curve of what's going to be popular. Yeah. So like, for example, Ghanaians, um, there's Ghanaian drill. And with Ghanaian drill, they don't call it Ghanaian drill. It's a, it's a different name, basically. Um, but each tribe in Ghana, so Ashanti and then um, more south south side of Ghana, they all have different versions of Ghanaian drill. Where in UK, everyone has the different ends, but it's still drill. Where like, for example, in Ashanti region, um, Kamasi or like Agogo, you know, it's like you're having more trap hi-hat, um, you know, drill hi-hat stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, normal, normal drill stuff, but then the 808s are doing absolutely crazy musical stuff, like insane musical stuff. And then more south, like south south Ghana, like Accra, then they add they might add more percussion or more this and this. So then the sound changes in different parts of Ghana with with their drill, basically. Um, and even the flows and like how they did de- like the deliveries and everything. Um, so that's that's that. And then like me and David heard dancehall and Afrobeats artists collaborating there. Um, and Bashman and Afrobeats artists collaborating. And then people from east side of Africa then join it, like uh, working west side of Africa. There were, yeah, the mus- the musical like genres that I was hearing there and all of them having such se- separate names and everything. I was like, this is incredible. And especially uh, the, in the clubs and stuff, it sounded unbelievable. And the, pe- the way people were just dancing there, I was like, this is mad. How did it feel coming back to London, particularly because it's so great at the moment and just kind of, were you like, and then going back into quarantine, were you like, that was a movie and now we're... You know, now you, know <laughs> you know, the thing as well, it's like, obviously the, 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 the completely different standard of food and how fresh all the food is there. Yeah. Um, the drink as well. Yeah. And like, yeah, just... Phantoms as well. Yeah. Like even, yeah, even like um, just random stuff like Fanta is completely different in Ghana. Is it, is it sweeter? Yes. Or is it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the face. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, just every, just everything's just like it's just it's just so nuts. Then, like, um, because yeah, we had like an Airbnb there, so I got like a lot of you know fresh veg and just um, mm. just like all the herbs and everything, especially ginger and Scotch bonnet is like a completely different story. And like, just like just a bunch of like they have like a lot of mixed dry herbs as well uh, you know they'll be selling you know side of the road or something or like mm-hmm. um in a in a like local store or something and like they they do that a lot it's just the most amazing tasting stuff like for real mm-hmm. just the people are so warming and like the younger generation so knowledgeable is actually unreal um just like politically just everything is like so beautiful to see that and just seeing like a younger gen just being like oh we really want to be creatives and like this and this and kind of breaking that kind of traditional thing of like oh you have to be this or this or this sort of thing which um yeah just like in much more older generation it's that but for younger generation, it's like kind of breaking that. Um, so that's r- really beautiful to see. Obviously, capturing all of that vibe and then coming back here. <laughs> that's basically the best way to explain it. Um, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, you know, obviously I had I had fun, subtle racism as well in the Uber, Uber driver back, which was fun. It was just like, you must have come from a red COVID country. I'm like, no, nah, I just came from a country that's doing better than UK. <laughs> yeah, you're like, definitely actually no. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> like, and, it, and who is she like? Because obviously, if you come from a red COVID country, you have to go to a separate it's hotel. A hotel. In the UK, um, yeah. Which, like, if I'm being honest, is uh, really outrageously like just dumb system. It, it makes no sense to me because it's like you're possibly giving the driver driver COVID. Well, like in Ghana, I mean, this is the thing: when you land in Ghana, you have to get um, a test. You have to get um, an automatic test straight away, and then if you're tested positive. They have a separate place in the airport. There's a separate route. It's so, so it's much safer. Contained. Yeah, 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 yeah. So much safer. And yeah, yeah, they take it so seriously. Even mm. when you, yeah, well, like when you're going to the shopping malls, even when you're going to the shopping malls, you know, you have to wear masks and um, sanitize your hands from entry. And then when they give you a shopping trolley, then they sanitize that before giving it to you. And then when you get to the counter, then the person sees you, then they sanitize their hands and then passes you the food, then sanitize their hand again. It's like a different attitude, isn't it? Oh, holds, yeah. There's like an arrogance in the West where we like don't expect to be affected by things or so we just, it's just not take, like you're right, it's just not taken seriously. It's just a whole different vibe. And obviously Ghanaian work ethic is just, well, sorry, we are just West African. African work ethic is so different. Like we shot our videos what two and a half weeks ago? Two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, two and a half weeks ago, we got we got different locations. Yeah, several different locations. One of the videos was a two-day shoot. We've done two videos two and a half weeks ago. We get the final edits color graded today. If you tried to do like, that in the UK, people would be a be like appalled. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I mean, like in in, in UK to get yeah for UK to get one video done. Like for, for you to even ask for an edit takes a week. So it's mm. just like, you know, we're, we're doing edits and then it's like, we're like, oh yeah, can we have this? And then it's like, the person's on the line whilst we're doing the edits. That's how quick it is. I was like, what? Like, the person's like, okay, cool. Yeah, let me just do that. Literally just doing that. Okay, cool. I sent you something. Just let me know. Is that I'm going to just be on the lines, you know, just like literally. And then I'll it's just like, wait, watch you review it. <laughs> yes. And then it's like, okay, yeah, but there's this as well. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll just do that. Okay, yeah, yeah, there's that as well. Just check this. What are your release plans over the next couple of months? And also, particularly, I'm interested, like, if your Afrobeats has, like, quite a, a nice, like, summary sound to it and some of the music. So is there going to be releases? Yeah. When it, what, what have you got planned over the next couple of months? Well, yeah, as we've just received the oh yeah one of the music videos from there basically that's going to be dropping very very soon then we've got ep coming out literally what next week was yeah. i think yeah next week so <laughs> like there's been so get, much i couldn't even remember yeah i mean you guys have had a lot going on do you get nervous around still like having the release of an ep like it's still it's still a moment because it's a collection of work you know i do a little bit but then like also it's like I do, but it's like nowhere near. I think I get, it's weird. I get nervous two weeks before, two or three weeks before. And then like nearer the day, I'm hella excited. I'm like, I can't wait for people to listen to this. And I think especially because it's our first release with Blue Note, I'm just still a bit mind blown that really. So like, yeah, I still really, really mind blown with that. It must be quite a, a rare feeling. Those people that you've kind of, whether it's a Miles Davis or whoever, those people that you've looked up to and listened to and learned so much from, to feel that kind of kinship with them or to feel that closeness of being a, a you know? Do you, I mean, you pro probably don't really feel that, but... With Blue Note, I mean, I can, I can, I can semi-drop this. No, I can drop this info because it's not full-on info. But like when signing to them, I definitely felt that I was like, oh my god, this is mad. But then the people who Blue Note are getting us to collaborate with, 
which are near that area. Some of them from Motherland and some of them are like queen of Afropop or Afrobeats. We're collaborating with them at the moment. Can't say who yet, but like even just that with, with Blue Note, it's insane. And it's like some of my people who I listened to when I was a kid and just being like, this is actually happening. This is crazy, you know? So yeah, a lot of that's a lot of that happens with Blue Note too. And I just I just like everyone in the music's really, really musical. Just yeah, and the whole label, they're just so musical. It's not the typical AR thing of like, I want that snare to sound like Calvin Harris. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, it's just like it's it's none of that. It's literally like like the A the AR for our stuff is like, you know what? It's like they're like, they're like, look, this song's good. The kick's got a smack. It's got a smack. <laughs> like, I love this guy. <laughs> He's like, this kick's got a smack. He's like, it's not smacking yet. He's like, it's got to smack. <laughs> like, I like, love okay, this. we can take yeah. that. The final thing I just want to ask is, if people are listening, where can they find you guys and follow? What are your favourite social channels that you hang out on? And obviously looking out for the releases on Spotify, etc. Yes. Um, so you can just follow us on Blue Lab Beats. That's just everything. Blue Lab Beats. All the social medias. Yes. All, All the, the social, social medias. I see you guys have been you've been doing TikToks. <laughs> yes, we're trying to we're trying to understand that market. My God. It's very different. I, like one of our one of our videos started to blow up on that. That was very random. Yeah, so it's like one of our um TikToks of us uh, on like um uh, Cocrabito Beach basically um that started to really blow up and then like yeah tiktok yeah it's, it's a very very weird community I've, it's I have, got, I have, yeah it's got its whole own algorithm as well hasn't it you're like yeah, why whole, is this yeah. being served to me <laughs> yeah yeah and it's, it's always stuff that you like you didn't even think like was going to be the main thing so like you know you would sample a meme and blah and then you're like mm. okay this is tiktok and then it's just like actually it's you sitting down looking at the camera <laughs> This is the thing that's blown up and you're just like, why? And then and then all the comments underneath are like people who've never heard you before. And because TikTok is a is a much more visual thing compared to music, if I'm being honest. So then people well visual as in like they like to see um just like, you know, the models or blah. So then they mm. comment on I really love what he's wearing. And I'm like, I'm a musical brand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like he's wearing this and it's great. And then it's just like, why is he smiling? And it's like, he's smiling because, and you're literally like, what is this? <laughs> but you, we, we have to learn it because like, you know, I mean, I, I mean, you don't have to, but it's, it's good. Yeah, it's it good to know. It makes sense too. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. I agree. It's good to like not be, it's very easy when things are new to be like dismissive of them because it's like they don't necessarily make natural sense. But then this is the future. There is a whole generation on there. Yeah, because like, you know, people, yeah, people at one time were like, I don't want to join Instagram. And mm. down the line, it's like, here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, like, so, so, I mean, I think especially in musicians scene, they're just like, nah, I can't deal with TikTok. And you're like, well, yeah, people said that about Instagram. Yeah. And now people have kind of left Facebook and then now on Instagram, you know. And it's like, I don't, I don't think it will happen like that with TikTok because TikTok is just a fast-paced video thing and that's just specifically just for them. I think there'll probably be something like a music streaming platform like spotify but then is linked like fast videos like tiktok but more for dancers i think something like that could probably happen 
Bula Beats, thank you so much for thank you, thank you, podcast thank you this week. I really enjoyed the conversation. I'm super excited to hear the new EP, and also I feel like you've kind of like there was some heavy hinting that there's going to be some big names coming up. So I'm excited yeah. to see. I mean, on like we can say on the EP because um, we can announce this now. We have Braxton Cook, uh, who he's played with Tom Mishloads. Um, you have um, DT Soul. He plays with MV countless others as well in the UK and B. So yeah, you've got DC Soul. Koji uh, Radical. And you have Koji Radical on this EP too. And and um Alex Blake, who plays who's on WizKids album as well. I'm really excited to sound it because I'm like, this this is just a fusion of sounds. I suppose you've got to that place with your music where you just can play on so many different elements. And depending on who you work with, it's like it allows you to to flex into those spaces so truly exciting i can't wait i can't wait for people to hear it honestly so so excited thanks for sharing everything and thank you guys for listening and we will be back next week bye